save me, Los Angeles? When will you save me? And welcome back to the Fire Mark. It is January 27, 2023. Thanks everybody for listening, joining us. Don't forget to follow the Facebook Fire Mark page. We have over 85,000 downloads. We're growing super fast. Thanks to everyone for supporting the program. Uh, as everybody out there knows, and for those uh, just listening for the first time, we do trivia. Uh, one question at the end of each segment, email the answers to thefiremark at hotmail.com. Put trivia answers in the subject line. And if you don't want to email, answer on our Facebook page. Uh, the big prize was won last week, so thanks to everyone for playing. And we're now back to uh, the prize is going to be a $100 Target gift card for getting the trivia correct. And for those following the road shows, our next road show will be the weekend of February 3rd and 4th as we'll be live from Sunrise, Florida at the 2023 NHL All-Star Game and covering all the events. So I'm very excited for that. Um, stay tuned to future episodes and follow the Facemark Firemark the Firemark Facebook page for more details on how to follow the tour and win live prizes. And uh, also, obviously, keep listening to the studio shows and episodes for the regular trivia contest. So uh, we're going to start off with our current event segment as always. Um, biggest news the last couple weeks is that there were uh, classified documents found at uh, Biden's home and at other locations. Jeez. Um, you know, what a double standard in my opinion. Biden calls out Trump. Uh, he calls him totally irresponsible on a 60 Minutes interview, and then he does the same damn thing. You know, are, are you guys waking up to not see that this guy is no better than Trump and in a lot of ways worse? You know, I, I, I can't believe that people defend these actions. You know, they keep saying, like, oh, well, you know, Trump lied about the documents and Biden's being forthcoming. Look, they both did something wrong. Okay, why can't you just admit that they both did something wrong? I'm not a Trump defender, but if you don't support equal justice for all, then frankly, you don't support the principles that the Constitution provides for us. And I really don't think you deserve the freedoms that this country provides. So anyway, Biden had these documents found at something called the University of Penn Biden Center at a so-called think tank. What? Biden can't even think to make a complete sentence. What does he need an entire tank for? Anyway, they also found documents at his home and all these other locations. So the Democrats are furious with the White House that there isn't as much transparency as people want. And it's so interesting to me how literally just a couple weeks ago, all the Dems were accusing the Republican Party of, quote, complete chaos in the midst of the Speaker of the House vote. And now the script is flipped as Biden has been exposed as a liar and a hypocrite regarding the hoarding of these classified documents. You know, but other Democrats defend Biden, of course, saying there's different levels of classification and, you know, he didn't mean to and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so now we're going to go with the uh, he's an old man and he got confused excuse. Why don't we just call him Uncle Leo from Seinfeld from now on? Because that was his excuse to steal things in one of the episodes. Swarm! Swarm! So, anyway, that's the funny clip from Seinfeld there. Um, so, there's I have some questions. So, Biden's vice president's presidency ended on January 20th, 2017, and he began using the Penn-Biden office, whatever that was, in mid-2017. And then he became president on January 20th, 2021. So, with the Oval Office and plenty of workspace right downstairs, he didn't need the Penn Biden office. So why wasn't it until November 2nd of 2022 that his lawyers were emptying out the old office? And and again, why do you need lawyers and a team of lawyers be that to clear out an old office? You know, most people use movers. The bottom line is that American people elected Biden for one reason and one reason only. And everybody knows it. It's because he is not Trump. And now that Biden has been proving over and over again he is actually more like Trump than he would like to admit, where is the country do we turn next for leadership? Because it's definitely not Biden. And that's why I've been saying before, Jared Polis versus Ron DeSantis 2024. Anyway, Kevin McCarthy wins the House Speaker position finally on the 15th vote. I don't know why this was such a big deal. This is the first time this has happened since 1850, whatever. Okay, it, it, it happened. They got the job done. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. You know, if you get a degree from a college in three years or seven years, did you get your degree? No, no one, no one cares. At the end of the day, we have a speaker. Okay, so it took 15 votes. But, you know, in my opinion, I'm glad that these extremists like Lauren Boebert and the others caved and that we have a speaker that's less than 200 years old. 
and not a golden girl. You know, it's what's best for this country. It really is. Um, we saw this uh, horrible story. The FAA, on January 11th, they grounded all the flights in the morning due to what they called, like, this computer malfunction. I think some guy was, like, monitoring things, and then he, like, walked away from the computer and accidentally deleted a file. I'm like, I don't know how you could be so irresponsible. I mean, 7,000, over 7,000 flights were canceled, and this was the FAA's first stoppage since 9-11. I mean, this is enormous. You know, people were quick to blame Pete um... You know, I, I'm no fan of his. Maybe this wasn't his fault. But, you know, as the spokesperson in the Department of Transportation, he needs to have some sort of comment on this. You know, this guy has no business being in charge after what he did with this obnoxious man, max, mask mandate on the airplanes and the airports. And he let it continue for far too long until finally a judge came in and stopped it. But the problem I have with him is no public statement on what happened, how it happened, how we should feel safe traveling on airplanes. You know, people are skeptical about things. There's a lot of reports in the media. We had, you know, Southwest Airlines had to cancel all the flights over the holidays, so they're they're a mess. You know, this isn't leadership, and this reflects on the Biden administration, in my opinion. And even more so, the Biden administration, quietly, nobody knows about this, has filed an appeal to that judge's ruling against the mask mandate on planes. So... Biden wants to put the masks back on planes. Why? COVID's gone. It's under control, you know. And furthermore, Biden, he also quietly re-upped the state of emergency in this country for COVID. But this isn't a problem anymore. So we're bringing back masking on planes and trying to control our lives and bringing back a state of emergency for COVID. For what purpose? You know, and this is all done, you know, on the QT. Nobody really knows about it. When is this country going to wake up to realize that that uh, Trump and Biden both hurt this country and continue to hurt this country with their actions, and we can finally try to move forward from these idiots? Uh, another big piece of news, Alec Baldwin was charged with uh, two counts of involuntary manslaughter in the Rush shooting case. Uh, people are where he was shooting a movie, and for some unknown reason, he was firing a gun, which I guess was supposed to have blanks in it, like at a camera, and there was a live round, and the bullet fired, and it hit and killed the director of photography, Helena Hutchins, and then injured an assistant director. So... The crazy thing is that now that he's being charged with involuntary manslaughter is this obnoxious theory from the left. This is how wacky the left is. Their theory is that somebody set Baldwin up with a real bullet in the gun because they were mad about how he negatively portrayed Trump on Saturday Night Live. What a ridiculous, demented theory this is. You know, I'm no fan of, like, Alec Baldwin as of late. He's lost his mind with diarrhea of the mouth over this whole situation. Um... You know, I don't care about his politics or one way or the other or what's going on with him. But, you know, I also, and this is a controversial point, it helps me wonder what the hell was this woman doing behind uh, the camera in the way of a gun? Like, wouldn't, like, karma and just the fact that a gun is being shot at you preclude you from doing it? I mean, I know if that, I was an armory weapons expert and I loaded the gun a gun with a bullet that I knew was a blank myself, I still would not want somebody pointing that gun at me and shooting it. Even if I knew there was no chance, it's, it's just bad karma. And it couldn't even have needed to be a live round. It could have been a fragment of something that was left in the gun that it could have killed him, like what happened to Brandon Lee on the set of The Crow all those years ago. So I'm sorry. There was absolutely no reason for her to be sitting behind the camera. You could have had the camera put to a monitor. You didn't even need to fire the gun. We have so much CGI that you could have simulated that on computers. There's all sorts of reasons why this shouldn't have happened. And I feel that she's partly to blame on it because there was no reason to be sitting behind the camera for this incident as well. And if the bullet had gone off and it was negligent, then Alec Baldwin needs obviously all the blame on it. But still, you know, he shoulders the blame and so unfortunately does she. Um, I feel that she put herself unnecessarily in harm's way and something tragic happened. So in other news... um, the Biden administration now wants to ban gas stoves because they say it contributes to kids getting asthma. Uh, these are the studies that our tax dollars are going to, really? You know, maybe the Biden administration needs to address and fix the inflation issue that is now getting so bad that eggs are out of control. And, you know, before we know it, the price for winning the Powerball lottery is going to be like a pound of hamburger meat before we know it. 
And the left is also up in arms about this George Santos fake resume. Okay, so this was the guy that was uh, elected in in New York as a new member of the House of Representatives, and he lied about everything on his resume and his background, and he was a drag queen, and he's gay, and whatever. We're, we're shocked that a politician lied to get elected? I mean, what? Please, like, well, give me a second. I'm going to have to sit down. The lefts are outraged by this, that a politician lied to get elected. Okay, he lied. You know, I'm sure there are procedures to get him out of office if you're really that offended by a politician lying. So you know what? Enact him. Shit or get off the pot. Stop bitching and complaining about the man over and over and over again and remove him or shut the hell up about it. That's the end of the story. Okay, move forward. Finally, uh, back to our Idiots of the Week segment, which I do uh, frequently on the show, calling people out. Um, this has got to be a frequent Idiot of the Week. We're going to go to the White House spokesperson, uh, Pepe Le Pew, Kareen, Jean-Claude, Van Damme, Cougar, Mellencamp, Grossberg, whatever the hell her name is. She had a soundbite this week saying, relating to the Biden documents and that Biden is being completely clear and transparent with everything and said, in fact, that his administration is the most transparent administration in history. Well, you know what? I agree with that because you're so transparent, we can all see right through you and you're all your lies. Anyway, that's our current events segment. On to trivia. Uh, earlier, obviously, we were talking about Biden and Trump. So I want to know from you, what famous fictional movie character was canonically born exactly one day before Donald Trump? So I'll repeat it one more time. What famous fictional movie character, uh, according to canon, was born exactly one day before Donald Trump? So that is your trivia question for our current events segment, and we will be right back with sports. <laughs> And welcome back to the Fire Mark. It is January 27, 2023. This is our sports update. Uh, real quick before we get into the NFL and the NFL playoffs, uh, just want to note, um, since it happened since the last podcast, we had the uh, college football national championship game, Georgia versus TCU. Georgia completely destroys TCU in this title game. I'll be honest. I've watched very little of this game. I think I, I wanted to tune in. It was like the middle of the second quarter, and it was 31-7. to And I'm like, this is way over, especially knowing Georgia's defense. So, as predicted on this podcast, Georgia won by more than two scores en route to a 65-7 to massacre. Um, I think there's no doubt that Georgia was the best team in the country and really would have beaten Michigan handily as well. So, congrats to the Bulldogs for going back-to-back. Um, DeMar Hamlin, the uh, Buffalo defensive back that had the cardiac arrest on the field in the game against Cincinnati on January 2nd. He's back in Buffalo and out of the hospital. Amazing that he survived and it's going to be okay. So um, still no word on what caused his arrest. But again, I caution anyone out there to be quick to say it was Komodi Cordis, as I described on the last podcast. So I'm ready to debate anybody who wants to say differently. Um, it was great that DeMar Hamlin gave a pregame speech to the Bills before their game against the Bengals, but... Surprisingly, obviously didn't help, but we'll, we'll get into that. So getting getting into our NFL uh, update here. So the NFL announced that Atlanta was going to be a neutral site for the AFC Championship game if the Bills had played the Chiefs, but that didn't happen. So what the hell's wrong with Roger Goodell and the NFL? You know, thank goodness the Bengals took care of business to make all of this nonsense irrelevant, but the, but the Bengals were the ones getting screwed on this. You know, if the Bengals had beaten the Bills in the game that they canceled, then the Bengals would have hosted this game against Buffalo this weekend. So why couldn't that have been played in a neutral site? It was the same reasoning why they wanted to make Buffalo and Kansas City on a neutral site. So thank goodness the Bengals got away with this. There was also some rumors that they wanted to try to make the AFC and NFC championship games in the future. There's talk about making them at neutral sites because they sold 50,000 tickets for this game that's never going to happen. Uh, I, you fight so hard in the season to get home field for this reason. Please, I hope they vote this down and this never happens because this would be awful. It really would. So 
Let's start. I know we're a little bit behind, but starting the first round, uh, AFC, we had the Bills and the Dolphins. You know, the Dolphins played a little bit better than expected with Skylar Thompson. Uh, the Bills ran out to a 17-0 lead. You thought it was going to be over really quick and be a route, but the Dolphins came back and played some strong defense until the Bills finally wore them down. So, the Dolphins' streak of seasons not winning a playoff game has now reached 22 straight seasons. It's crazy. Uh, Ravens-Bengals, crazy play in the fourth quarter as uh, the potential go-ahead quarterback sneak for a touchdown um, by the Ravens gets fumbled and run back 98 yards the other way to win the game for Cincinnati. You know, I thought the game was pretty evenly matched, and uh, Huntley played great for Baltimore because Lamar Jackson's been nursing an injury for about six weeks. So, um, you know, many championship teams, they do get tested at least once in the playoffs. So we'll see how Cincy uses this as momentum moving forward. Uh, Chargers-Jags, the Chargers were absolutely blowing out the Jags in Jacksonville. But, you know, they never put their foot firmly on the Jags' neck, and they were kicking field goals when they should have gotten touchdowns. And you kind of got the feeling the Jags were hanging around and hanging around, and they were going to come back. They got that late touchdown in the first half to get get seven points on the board, and then the Chargers' offense kept stalling in the second half. And, you know, the Jacksonville came back, and they won. They won on the final play. But, you know... I'm going to have to say the biggest uh, critique I have on it was a horrible look on Al Michaels, whose energy was crap, as the Jags kicked the game-winning field goal uh, in walk-off fashion in one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history, down 27 points, and they win the game. You know, if I could describe the lack of energy, it was like the complete opposite of do you believe in miracles. So uh, Al Michaels really was struggling throughout that game, and I think it might be time to kind of wrap it up for him. So it's been a great career for him, but, you know, everything's got to come to an end. Um, moving on to the second round in the AFC, we had, uh, Bills versus Bengals in the snow. Um, that weather was crazy. Bengals, you know, came out fire and they were up 14, nothing before you even blinked. And they may handled every aspect of this game, but there was a pivotal call that pissed me off in the second quarter. The Bengals were up 14, seven Jamar chase caught an apparent touchdown in the back of the end zone. It was like a minute and a half left in the, in the half. He catches the ball, right, two feet down, falls to the ground, his knee hits the ground, and he has control of the ball. Then when his body touches the ground, he loses control of the ball for a second, and then they overturn it and say that wasn't a touchdown. This is hot garbage. Had this been in the field of play, it's a catch. Your knee is down, you are down. Okay? End of discussion. Everybody knows this, and they know that the ground can't cause a fumble. So... What the hell is wrong with these refs? And, you know, again, having these rules analysts, this Gene Sterator and idiot people, always agreeing with the officials on the field and saying they're making the right calls is not helping give an unbiased view of the game. And this practice is really hurting the game and not helping it, in my opinion. Because if all we're going to do is agree with the officials on the field, then what do I need a rules analyst to back up the fact that you're agreeing with the person on the field, even though they're dead wrong? But whatever. Thankfully, none of that mattered as the game was a complete blowout and the Bills never looked competitive in this game, which was really a surprise, even though they had DeMar Hamlin giving him the, the pregame speech. And I really thought that they were going to use the uh, momentum and the rallying of DeMar Hamlin to, you know, make make a legitimate Super Bowl run. But uh, alas, not to be. Uh, Chiefs-Jags. Jags battled hard, but ultimately fell short by a touchdown to the Chiefs. I really think the Chiefs have far better athletes. And I know Mahomes was hurt for a little bit, and Chad Henney came in for him. And who the hell knew that Chad Henney was still playing in the NFL? Anyway, so now we get Bengals and Chiefs in the AFC title game for the second year in a row. I think the Bengals uh, are the favorite here. But at the end, you never know what's going to happen with possible injuries and uh, you know how the game, the flow of the game is. So I, I really think it's virtually a toss-up. And you know I think it's going to be fun to watch. Um, anyway, as promised on the last fo- podcast, I have my format of what I talked about where the playoffs should be just the division winners and based on how they de- did in the 14 games that they play mutually with every other team in their division. So we're going to have them seeded one to four and then run the playoffs that way. So in the AFC, a true championship format. Uh, sees number one seed Buffalo against number four seed Jacksonville. Buffalo has the one seed. They have a better conference record than the other teams. And I have Buffalo defeating Jacksonville based on their their common opponents. So Buffalo had a much better record. So they move on to the conference championship game. In my format, I have number two seed Cincinnati versus number three seed Kansas City, again based on AFC record. Uh, the teams met before, and Cincinnati won by three. So now they're going to play again. You can't discredit the game that they played before, in my opinion. So I think Kansas City needs to win the game this weekend by more than three points to offset the aggregate. 
Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm moving Cincy on to play Buffalo uh, in the conference championship game, which since they've already met and did play a full four quarters, Cincy would advance to the Super Bowl in my format. So basically, if Cincy wins this weekend or loses by less than three, they advance to the championship. And if Kansas City wins by more than three, then Buffalo advances to the championship because Buffalo beat Kansas City head-to-head earlier this year. I know that sounds confusing, but I got it. And this format, I think, really shows what a true champion is. And we'll get into the NFC uh, for my format in a second. But to the actual playoffs that they played on TV, um, first round we had 49ers and Seahawks. The Seahawks surprisingly kept this game close and was at, they were actually winning at halftime before San Francisco blew them out in the fourth quarter. You know, San Francisco is the better team with the better athletes, but, you know, Seattle, give them credit to them because they gave them a game at least. Uh, Giants-Vikings, this is one of my favorite games of that weekend. Great back and forth, and I'm a Giants fan. The Giants played their best game of the season, and they pulled it off. And he, even though they got blown out by the Eagles the next week, and no, no one had the Giants in the playoffs at the beginning of the season under first-year head coach Brian Dable, much less winning a playoff game. So this was a massively awesome, great season for them, in my opinion, and, and I, I look forward to uh, hopefully steamrolling this and getting better next year so uh Cowboys Bucks I don't know why they thought Tom Brady was gonna have some magic in this game you know I know the Bucks beat the Cowboys in week one 19 to 3 but that was that was ages ago uh the Cowboys rolled they completely dominated this game and dominated this game and it wasn't even close um the only funny thing was that the Cowboys kicker Brett Mayer he missed four straight extra points in this game and I was watching the Manning Brothers uh, cast of the game, and they kept saying how Brett Mayer was money all season. But, you know, in my opinion, he's more like FTX <laughs> in these games, which for him now stands for uh, fudging up the extras. Anyway, Cowboys move on, and we get to the second round. We had Eagles-Giants. This game was over before it started. The Eagles are a complete team. They really are. And if Jalen Hurts doesn't make mistakes, they're going to be hard to beat. I think the only team that could beat them is Cincinnati, in my opinion. But really, don't count count out Mahomes if it ends up in the Andy Reid Bowl, because you never know what Andy Reid has tricked up, uh, would have tricked up his sleeve for the Super Bowl. So, uh, 49ers, Cowboys, a defensive struggle, um, just <sighs> moronicness on the on on the part of the 49ers at the end of the game. I I was just watching and I was screaming at the TV. And I just feel the Eagles are better coached and have better players. And, and it's at, in Philly, and I, that's why I think the Eagles are going to win. So what happened was the 49, the Cowboys had two timeouts, and they had to punt the ball to the 49ers because they had like fourth and forever. And they were still down seven, so they needed a touchdown to score. So they punt the ball with about two minutes and five seconds. And the moron 49ers um, uh, uh, kick returner, he calls for a fair catch. I mean, all this guy needed to do was catch the ball and run around for like three seconds and hope that the the clock kicks uh, ticks down to two minutes. By fair catching the ball, and there's 2.04 now left on the clock, that gives Dallas a free timeout at the two-minute warning. All you needed to do was run around. Why are you fair catching? What is going on with the coaching? That was just ridiculous. Then they basically need one first down to go ahead and close out the game. They get their first down. The idiot runs out of bounds and stops the clock for Dallas. So now they need another first down. Obviously, they ended up, you know, taking care of business and getting the game. Uh, uh, I mean, they did give the ball back to Dallas, but ba- Dallas had about 45 seconds, no timeout, and they were on their own 10, and they ran some stupid freaking plays, and I don't know what the hell that last play was. But back-to-back years, Dallas gets knocked out of the playoffs by San Francisco and runs moronic plays on their very fir- final play of the season. But it, the game was kind of boring. It was a defensive struggle. Um the 49ers, I feel, were the better team anyway, but I really think their luck runs out in Philly this weekend. So, on to my format in the NFC. I got the one seed San Francisco 49ers based on NFC record better than Philly, um, beating the four seed Tampa Bay on common opponent tiebreaks. So, that's fine. Um, I have the two seed Philadelphia beating three seed Minnesota, also on common opponent tiebreaks. So then we would get a Philadelphia versus San Francisco matchup, which is great because guess what? We have that in real life. So whoever wins that game really deserves to be in the Super Bowl. So 
the only hiccup is going to be on the AFC side if uh, Kansas City wins the game by more than three points. So we'll, we'll have to see what would break down if it would have ended up with Buffalo in the uh, Super Bowl versus the winner of Philly-San Francisco. I mean, unless Cincinnati takes care of business. But either way, it should be a fun weekend of conference championship games. And uh, I really think we got four of the best teams in the NFL playing. So we'll see what happens. Um, in other news, former ESPN reporter Allison Williams sues ESPN for getting fired over their vaccine mandate. Um, she got fired last year, actually in 2021. She didn't want to take the vaccine because she was undergoing in vitro procedures to try to have a baby and was worried on how that would affect everything. But ESPN goes ahead and fires her anyway. And she now works for Fox Sports. I hope she wins millions from ESPN. I really do. I want all of these people that harassed and fired people while trying to force these Nazi-level mandates on people held accountable. It's absolutely disgusting. And also another piece of news, a former NFL running back, Peyton Hills, he was involved in a crazy accident where he had to save his two kids from drowning, but he himself ended up in the ICU on a ventilator. Thankfully, he's awake and off the ventilator now and on his way to recovery. So that's that's also really good news. So, so that's good to hear. Um... And quietly, too, they never talked about it because we didn't have any of the games go to overtime, but we have NFL new playoff rules, overtime rules. Um, both teams get the opportunity to possess the ball regardless if there's a touchdown for one of the teams, so that's at least better. I guess the only time they don't possess, each team doesn't get a possession is if there's a safety, So, which is, which is fine for me because obviously if the offense has the ball and then the defense gets a safety, what does the defense need to have the ball? They won the game. Um... I can't understand why they just can't play a full-time quarter like basketball does. I know it's shortened to five minutes in basketball, and but football also is in the regular season shortened to ten minutes. But just just play a full period, you know. Playoff overtime could be fifteen minutes and play the full period and do that in the regular season too, you know. So we'll see if there's any overtime games and if this becomes a factor in the conference championship games here. So. Um, base a little bit of baseball news as we get ready for uh, pitchers and catchers reporting in just a couple of weeks for spring training, believe it or not. Um, minor league systems are going to have robot umpires instituted in uh, AA ballparks, and they'll be using a system called ABS, which stands for Automated Balls and Strikes. I don't know how I feel about this. You know, robots calling balls and strikes versus an actual human umpire. I'm... I, you know, I think we got to stick with the humans and the human mistakes and stuff like that. That can happen. So um, back again, our sports city of the week. Um, we're giving it to Megan Kelly. Megan Kelly has her show. She has a podcast. She's a very smart woman, very intelligent. I listen to her show all the time. She was on her show talking about this Russian player that plays hockey for the Philadelphia Flyers and how he refused to wear a gay pride jersey because of his religious beliefs and you know, while I respect that, um, I still got to give my idiot of the week to Megan Kelly because she admitted on her show that she was today years old when she learned that there were Canadian teams in the NHL. Are you kidding me? You got past 50 years old in life not realizing that hockey was created in Canada and that there were Canadian teams in the NHL? So I like you, Megan Kelly, but I'm sorry. This comment earns you Sports City of the Week, Megan, so congratulations. I hope I don't see a repeat performance, but don't say stupid stuff like this again. Anyway, on to trivia questions since we're talking hockey. Uh, pretty easy question for you. Um, I just want you to name all seven current NHL franchises based in Canada. This one's obviously for Megan Kelly. So that's your trivia question for our sports segment. Name all seven current NHL franchi- franchises Uh that are based in Canada, current to right now. And we will be right back with entertainment. You're with your baby. Welcome back to the Fire Mark. It is January 27, 2023, and this is our entertainment segment, and I am happy to be joined by my beautiful wife, Jess. Say hello, Jess. Hi. <laughs> uh, we had a Friday 13th earlier this month, and I watched the movies again because that's what I do and because that's what the calendar tells me, so uh, that's why some of that music, So, uh, but we're going to jump right into the entertainment segment here. A uh, bunch of notable deaths the last couple weeks. We had Lisa Marie Presley passes away from, I guess, a sudden heart attack. Crazy Life with Daughter of Elvis, Mary the Michael Jackson. Um, am I missing something? Didn't she? Wasn't she married to someone else? I think she was married three times. 
Right. Uh, there was somebody else that she was married to that was popular. I Nicolas don't know. Nicolas Cage? Oh, Nicolas Cage. That's right. See, that's what I have you around for. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, she was what, in her 50s or something? Yeah, I think her mid-50s. Yeah, it was crazy. So, so that's a sad, sad loss. And uh, David Crosby from Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young passes away. I think he was in his 80s. And then uh, people might not remember, he basically only did these movies... Uh, Earl Bowen, um, who was a character actor for many years, but he was mainly famous for being Dr. Silberman in the Terminator movies. Um, he also passed away. So, uh, And then also somebody who didn't pass away, thankfully, was uh, Jeremy Renner in this uh, crazy snowplow accident. Did you read about that? I did. So apparently the news just came out that he was helping people in his neighborhood clear snow and he didn't fully have the snowplow brake on or there was a malfunction or something like that and the snowplow was about to roll toward his nephew so he tried to jump in it to go ahead and divert it and then his foot got caught up in the tracks of it under the tread and then it rolled over him so apparently i guess he's gonna be okay did you hear yeah i think he has a long route to recovery and a lot of maybe physical therapy and rehab um to get back to uh the way he was yeah, so um, he's lucky to be alive. So I, I, I really like him. I haven't really watched a lot of the Marvel stuff, but I you know, I liked him back in the day in a bunch of movies that he did too. So Jess and I watched a couple of new trailers that came out. Um, there's a movie coming out called Shotgun Wedding with J-Lo and Josh, how do you say his name? Dumel. Dumel. I don't know. What were your thoughts on that? Um, it looked good, the beginning of the trailer, because it looked like a comedy, and they were getting married, right. and the mother-in-law was kind of, uh, meddling. But oh, it was, uh, Stifler's mom, right? Yes. Was the mother-in-law? Yeah. Yes, and she was kind of meddling in the wedding, and then all of a sudden, it took a turn, um, you didn't see it coming, I guess their wedding was, uh, hijacked. <laughs> I don't know. By terrorists. By terrorists, and they turned into these terrorist-fighting... John McClane type people, yeah. Yes, so I was out then. I was more into the wedding and the comedy, kind of like the movie she did before, like The Monster-in-Law. Okay. At the beginning of, uh, I don't know, early 2000s. Didn't she make a bunch of those? Or the Made in Manhattan, wasn't that her? Or all somebody? the chick flicks. Yeah, all the chick flicks, yeah. Yeah. Right. So this was like a chick flick and, I don't know, maybe something for the guys. So I'm out. Did not look good. You're out? I'm out. All right, so Jess will watch the first half of the movie. <laughs> I'll watch the second half of the movie, and we'll combine our reviews at that point. Sounds okay. good. We did. We do want to see this movie. I don't know if it's like a remake or something. House Party. Um, I don't remember who was in it, but it looked really, really funny. The trailer. It was hysterical. Uh, yes. The trailer was hysterical. Yes, the trailer was hysterical. <laughs> I think it's out in theaters. I don't know. Maybe we should go on a date out to the theaters and see that movie. That was actually pretty funny. I would totally go yeah, and see it. Yeah, that that looks really good. So we're we're definitely going to check out House Party. That looks very funny. I was excited to see that there's a History of the World Part 2. I don't know if people remember from 1981, the old Mel Brooks movie, History of the World Part 1. Uh, was a very funny movie, but now they have finally, even though they teased it in the movie, History of the World Part 2. It's not going to be a movie. It's going to be a TV series coming to Hulu. I think it's going to have eight episodes starting in February. So that looks funny. Definitely going to check that out. I can't believe Mel Brooks is still alive. He's like 98 years old. Anyway. Another show which looked weird, Velma, I guess about Velma from Scooby-Doo. Were you watching that trailer? I saw that trailer. Uh, I'm out. I don't know. I didn't even find it interesting or compelling in any way. Just not interested. So it's like the Scooby-Doo characters and they're in high school before I guess they start solving mysteries. But Shaggy is not Shaggy. He's Norbert, which was his regular name. Okay, fine. I don't have a problem with that. And he's got a crush on Velma. Okay, fine. I don't have a problem with that. But why they got to make him and Velma black, I didn't see the reason for that. You know, I, I understand that they're animated characters, but I don't understand why you're changing them. You know, they wanted to make a b big push to make Velma gay. You know what? I'm fine with that. Her sexuality was unimportant in the show and it was ambiguous. You want to make her gay and explore that? I'm fine with that. But to make her black, I think, is weird. And I got a problem with Scooby-Doo not being in the show. I understand the other show was Scooby-Doo, and you don't want to focus on Scooby-Doo, but I think he should be in it somewhere. Maybe as a puppy or a stray, or they find him or something. I, I don't know. Uh, I think I'm out on that show. I'm, and you said you were out. I'm not a huge Scooby-Doo fan. I was never into the cartoon, and um, so I wasn't interested in the movie at all. Okay. 
And so we're going to skip that. One movie I do want to see is this movie called Missing. Did you see, were you watching the trailer for that? I don't remember if you stepped out of the room for that. I don't know. Okay, so Missing was about, I guess it's about a girl. Maybe she's, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. And her mom goes on a trip with a new boyfriend. And then the mom never comes home. But it's very interesting because I think the movie is all shot based on like a computer where it's shot where you're looking at like webcams and all this other stuff and apparently it's the sequel or it takes place in the same universe from another movie that came out a couple years back called Searching which had so much of a, a similar plot where I think a father was searching for his missing child and it looked like a pretty intense thriller and it looked pretty cool so I definitely want to check that out and then a big trailer drop was uh, Mandalorian season three I watched the first couple episodes of The Mandalorian. I like the show. I haven't gotten back into it. I know it's got uh, a lot of big acclaim and, and a lot of people love it. And season three looks looks pretty cool from what's going on with, you know, Baby Yoda and has the force and everything like that. So I am going to have to do a deep dive maybe as May the 4th comes close and get caught up on some of these Star Wars shows because they do look good. So on to our movie reviews. Jess and I watched, uh, I sat down with her. I watched the chick flick. It was on Netflix. It was called Look Both Ways. Basically about a... Well, you tell. What were were your thoughts? I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. It was about um, a college student. Actually, she was just graduating from college. I think it was maybe the night of graduation. And Mm -hmm. um, her and her friend hooked up. And the... Then the movie kind of splits. You see her in the bathroom with her friend taking a pregnancy test. And you have the movie go one way where she ended up being pregnant and has the baby and how her life turned out. Or the movie went the other way where she was not pregnant and she pursued her dreams of moving to L.A. and starting her career in L.A. Um, I thought it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. It was it was cute. It was funny. It reminded me a little bit of Knocked Up, kind of um, similar. I don't know, maybe similar humor, but very cute. Yeah, it was it was definitely an entertaining movie, and seeing how there were a lot of parallels in her life back and forth um, on both sides, and you know, at the end, she finds love in both ways. Um, I originally thought that she was going to find love with the same person and how it was going to work out that way, but it didn't. But I guess the ultimate story is that her life kind of took similar paths, but different ways to get there. And she found love and she found her career, but at the end it was different ways that she got there. But it was almost like, I guess the message is kind of like life is going to work out the way it's supposed to work out regardless of certain choices that you make beforehand, right? Is that what you got out of it? Yeah, that's what I got out of it. It was kind of like her destiny to be successful in this career and and to fall in love. And like you said, it wasn't the same way um, that she accomplished these goals, but she did it at the end. Yeah. So um, I definitely give it a thumbs up. I think Jess does too. It's a... You know, not a rough watch for a chick flick and something that'll make the ladies happy. So another thing we did, Jess and I have been going around. We were in New York in December and we do have a subscription here for the Broadway shows. So we saw a bunch of shows, Hades Town. That won the Tony a couple of years back and it came here to Orlando for us to see. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. You know, know steaming would... pile of hot garbage. I don't know if I would say hot garbage. I Lukewarm was... garbage. <laughs> uh, it was garbage. I, it was weird. It was <laughs> it was weird. It was definitely weird. Um, I didn't think the music was that great. I didn't okay, think the yeah. set design was that great. Um, right. Of course, the the talent and the singing was great, like it always is, and. Um, but it just it just wasn't really enjoyable to watch. I kept looking at my um, watch, trying to see what time it was and when this was going to end. So that was a rough watch. It was rough. To, there was very little plot. You could summarize the plot in about two paragraphs, and it was three hours long, and it just kept going on. And there, the, the songs were just songs to sing, and they weren't like progressing the plot. Like a lot of shows that you watch, the song is also telling the story. This song was just a song, just for song's sake, and it was like, okay, I, I you know, I get it, I understand it, it whatever. Yeah, that's a do not recommend, in my opinion. We saw the play that goes wrong. We saw that in New York. Uh, that's a comedy. 
Uh, that show's just great. It's fantastic. We saw it here in Orlando a couple of years ago before COVID, and then we went and see it in New York. I was able to get seats like in the front row. We were almost like part of the show, right? Yeah. And it's great. I mean, everything is into it. You know, we we got to interact with some of the uh, cast a little bit too before the show. We may or may not have gotten wet as part of the show a little bit. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um. So anyway, if you ever have a chance to see the play that goes wrong, the Murder Tavisham Manor, it's uh, it's a it's a great show. It's very very funny, and and you enjoyed it so much. It's one of my favorite shows that we've ever seen, and if you're gonna see it, I highly recommend like sitting as close to the stage as possible because I feel like the second time around, because we were sitting closer, we picked up on so many more things and like the physical humor, you were able to like see it and appreciate it so much more. Um, Definitely one of my favorite plays that we've ever seen. Yeah, and there's like this crazy magic trick like three quarters of the way through the show or, or toward the end. And I knew it was coming and even sitting up close, I still can't figure out how they did it. But anyway, we actually got to, uh, to see Hamilton in New York City, which was uh, fantastic. Richard Rogers Theater, great experience. The show itself, I mean, I love the show. The show is great. It's fantastic. But the acting performances in the Broadway show were a little disappointing. The guy that played Hamilton, amazing. Unbelievable actor. Thought he was better than Lin-Manuel Miranda. But the guy that played Aaron Burr, who's like my favorite character and uh, one of my favorite actors, this Leslie Odom Jr., who played him in the original cast, this guy couldn't couldn't hold a candle to him. Anyway, what were your thoughts? I thought it was a great experience to see Hamilton in New York City. Again, we had amazing seats, and that kind of changed um, – the way I viewed it because you got a better look at their facial expressions. Um, so I appreciated it so much more. The only thing um, that I was disappointed about was exactly what you said about um, Aaron Burr. The best part of the play is um, when he does the song, wait for it. And mm-hmm. it was just a disappointing performance. There was like no energy behind yeah. it. Yeah. It was a little bit hard to understand and I would say he even kind of put his own spin on it. Or, right. Um, just different from the way I heard it performed on Disney Plus and down here in the Orlando Theater. Right. It wasn't the same. Um, so I just didn't care for that rendition. But all the other actors and actresses were amazing. Hamilton was amazing. Eliza uh, and Angelica, they were great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just enjoyed yeah, it's a every great second show. of it. So much fun to see it in New York City, too. Like, definitely a different experience in a smaller, crowded theater. Um, yeah. One yeah. One of my favorite experiences. Yeah, so um, I, I agree. But uh, it'd be tough for me to, to go back and see it if they're going to have the same actor play him. And, and, and I'd said the problem with him, too, was very weird. And it was obviously his choice of his appearance because it's not part of the character that he has this, like, crazy full beard. And he has one of those mouths that, like, the mouth hides behind all the hair and the beard. So it's really hard for him to see his mouth and see him enunciate the words. He really needs to over-enunciate because of his facial features, and he just wasn't doing it. And and I don't know. I think that was just the way he played the part, because there are other actors in the show that had a pretty thick beard, um, like George Washington. Yes. Who I thought was great. Who played much better. And, yes. Um, his final song um when they oh like, he killed it oh so good uh, yeah. when they were saying goodbye to him and yes everything. yes absolutely so, so good so i just think that this was this particular's actor way mm-hmm. actor's way of performing aaron burr and you know it must be good he's on broadway right but it wasn't my cup of tea yeah i, I think the Obviously, Leslie Odom, who does it on Disney Plus, is the best. Yes. And um, the one that we saw here in Orlando, unfortunately, I don't know his name, but the one in Orlando was very was, good. Too. Was very good. Yeah. Um, and we also recently saw what about two weeks ago? We saw Tina. It's about Tina Turner's life. It was a pretty good show. It was, it was long. I thought it, I thought it was really long. They did a good job incorporating her songs into the show. the The only critique that I have about it is that you know I feel that it's almost common knowledge. We know that that uh, Ike Turner you know beat her, and there was a lot of domestic violence. Like one scene of it would have been sufficient to go ahead and get the idea. I felt that there were multiple scenes of it about how abusive he was, and it was something that I already knew, and it's already uncomfortable to watch. 
and to do it more than once just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But overall, it's an interesting show. It's worth a worth a watch. And uh, what were your thoughts? I thought it was great. The music was great. The performances were great. Um, the actress who played Tina Turner, she did a wonderful job. The best part was um, the little girl who played young Tina Turner. Yes, she was fantastic. She could have been more than like nine or ten years old. She was great. So cute. And then this just amazing, strong voice. Um, I didn't really have the same problem that you had with the scenes of domestic violence because I know it was such a huge part of her story and, um, you know, the domestic violence started at a very young age and the pattern continued into her own adult life and it kind of shaped who she was and shaped her career. So I didn't think it was like over the top or uncalled for. I mean, I've seen much harder things to watch. Right. So that, that really didn't rub me the wrong way, but I thought it was um, definitely something to see if you are a fan of her or her music, or even if you're not. I mean, I'm. Yeah, it was cons- a pretty good show. I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan, but I had a great time. Yeah. Uh, and then the last show that we saw just for this past Sunday was Riverdance. Um, I absolutely loved it. I knew I would like it because I liked the music. I liked the whole Irish theme and everything that's going on and the dancing and the and the show just completely blew me away. The dancing was unbelievable. Uh, the music was fantastic. Just everything was about uh, about it was was great just from the the choreography with the entire groups to the individual solo music performances. They had this guy out there that was performing some sort of instrument I had never seen before that played like bagpipes, but he held it like a big stick or something. I don't know what was going on. And then the backgrounds were changing between like the ocean to the beach to New York City to um, the forest to whatever. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? It was great. Visually, it was amazing. The scene changes um, where it was just really, I guess, like a giant TV screen. It wasn't like. A, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like a set that was constantly moving. It was just um, a huge TV screen. But those were beautiful and they went so well with the different performances. Um, I loved the one that they did in New York where they had um, two tap dancers come out and they were doing like traditional kind of, I don't know, tap dancing. Mm -hmm. And then they were kind of battling the uh, river dancers. So that was my favorite part. Yeah, that was cool. So that was that was that was very neat. Highly recommend Riverdance if you get a chance to see it. And then. We'll be back uh, just in a, two days. We're going to go see Wicked. So we'll have a review of Wicked for the next show, too. So a couple of TV shows. We haven't had a chance to watch too much TV. I did check out the new Night Court. Um, I watched the first two episodes. Haven't watched the third one yet that came out this week. Dan, uh, John Larquette's back as Dan Fielding. And they got Melissa Rouch from Big Bang Theory. She's playing Harry Stone's daughter, Abby Stone, as the judge. It, it, it's it's okay. It's not really that funny. I'm watching it for the nostalgia purposes. I think it's trying too hard. It's weird that that Dan's character has changed. Um, I would have been fine with the change. I mean, they made him the defense attorney instead of the prosecutor. But, you know, the prosecutor's a woman, which if they made her kind of like, you know, the Dan Fielding Lech kind of character, I thought that would have been neat. And she's just kind of jerky. I guess they didn't want to go too far with it. So, eh, it's okay. I'll watch a couple more episodes. We'll see where it goes. But, you know, I'm doing my husbandly duty with Jess and I'm watching Winter House with her. Um, she She's I sitting here with her mouth wide open. Your husbandly duty. This is not like something like we have to watch. I'm embarrassed that you are admitting <laughs> on this podcast that we are watching Winter House. Why? Because there's probably other things that we should be watching where we can learn things and I'm I'm learning human beings. I you know what I learned? I learned from Winter House that Stowe, Vermont is a completely beautiful place to visit, especially in the wintertime, and that I definitely want to go. So I did learn something from Winter House. Well, you also learned that Kyle likes cheese. Yes, and boobs. And boobs, yeah. Yes. So that's But who I'm- doesn't like boobs and cheese? I mean, seriously, when you break it down to it. And he said that he admitted that while he was drunk. I mean, I could say that sober. I'm sober right now. There's no reason to not say that you like boobs and cheese. Right. Yeah. So... Anyway, that's that's our, uh, what do you call it, trash TV that we watch, um, but it's fun. We watched Summer House, now we're watching Winter House. We'll probably get back into Below Deck before we know it, and all that other Bravo stuff. But anyway, moving on, other news. Um, I was very excited. I started off the um, beginning with uh, Friday the 13th music. 
We did have a Friday the 13th this month, as I said before. And there's a new TV show and possible movie coming out. The TV show is going to be a prequel series called Crystal Lake. And it's headed up by Brian Fuller, who created and produced Hannibal, amongst other successful shows. And they also got Adrian King back, who played the final girl, Alice, in the original movie, who decapitates Mrs. Voorhees in the final act. I know, spoilers, but the movie's over 40 years old, so sorry. And Fuller stated that he has over four seasons worth of material. So hopefully the show gets picked up and is good because that could be real interesting to see. And in the movie news, Sean Cunningham is back and he directed the original uh, movie and is trying to do a reboot as long as he can work out his legal battles with the original writer, Victor Miller, who they had a lawsuit and Victor Miller retained the rights to the character and the name. So they still have to work that out if they want to do a movie. But the last movie they did was also a reboot back in 2009, and I, I actually liked it. I thought it was pretty good. So I really don't want to see a, another reboot because I'd rather just see them continue the story that they already have rather than reboot it for a third time. So uh, Also this past week they announced that Cobra Kai is going to be uh, having its sixth and final season. So I'm kind of glad it's ending because it's really starting to jump the shark. So, But it's been a fun nostalgia ride, and I've enjoyed watching it with my daughter, so... We'll, we'll see. We'll see what Season 6 uh, has and uh, and go from there. And then another piece of news which was quite interesting is that um, there was this article that came out that they're interviewing for a new James Bond. And they were interviewing this Jewish actor to be James Bond. And I thought that was actually very funny. Because I went ahead and thought about what would the James Bond movies be if they had a Jewish spin on them. And had Jewish titles. So I went ahead and created, and you could follow along if you know the order of the James Bond movies. I created an order of uh, what the, Jew- the the James Bond movies would sound like if uh, they were produced by Jewish people. So you would start off with, uh, I think you liked you, you liked my list. I did. I even before. helped a little bit. Yeah, she did help a little bit too. So we'll start off. We have Dr. Noenstein, From Russia, Love Bubby, Geltfinger, Matzo Ball. You Only Davin Twice, On Her Moyle's Secret Circumcision, that's a fan favorite, Diamonds Are for Hanukkah, I like that one, Live and Sit Shiva, The Man with the Golem Gun, The Shiksa Who Loved Me, Chala Maker, For Your Elijah Only, Octo Menorah, A Schmear to a Bagel, a lot of people like that one too, The Living Dayenu, License to Kvetch, Golden Schmuck, Tzedakah Never Dies, The Mensch Is Not Enough, and die another oy vey. And then I went ahead and did the uh, the Daniel Craig movies too. So you have Chutzpah Royale, Quantum of Shwarma, Shulfall, Seder, and then wrap it up with No Time to Adonai. So anyway, that's a little bit of my humor, right? Look kind of funny. Kind of funny. Kind of funny. Okay. Anyway, wrapping up our entertainment segment, obviously trivia question. So earlier I was talking about the new upcoming Friday the 13th series called Crystal Lake. And that original Final Girl, Alice, will be part of the show in some capacity. So that's exciting. So your trivia question is, what was Alice's last name in the original Friday the 13th movie? So that's our trivia question for entertainment. What Al- what was Alice's last name in the original Friday the 13th movie? Make sure you play all the trivia in all the different sections to uh, win the $100 Target gift card. I want to thank Jess for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Sure. And um, we will see you next time on the Firemark.